everyone is in the fourth dimension and welcome to the greatest show in the galaxy i'm emma and he's mike and today we're going to have a chat about the specials year so that would be the two christmas 2008 to new year 2010 mm-hmm. um mini series something or other of uh, of the show so following series four and um yeah this was a strange old thing mm. so I think it's worth talking a bit about the run-up to it because uh, I'd forgotten about this completely until I was reading back and sort of trying to refresh my memory. Yeah. But it was it was there were lots of rumours going around. So basically, after the end of series four, obviously series four being a massive end, mm-hmm. the whole thing with Donna and all of the companions and mm-hmm. the Doctor being left kind of bereft at the end of it, um, and rumours started going around that there wasn't going to be a full series the next year coming up. And people got mad as hell, mm-hmm. <laughs> as I recall. Yeah. Um, yeah, sackcloth ashes wailing in the street. <laughs> um, and I think it was like it was like the National TV Awards or something in it 2008. Was. Yeah, that basically the rumours were going around and they were getting stronger and stronger that David Tennant was going to leave. Mm-hmm. And yeah, people watched... watched <laughs> nerds watched this dispatch from the bloody... DV awards like it was something from the UN like <laughs> oh my god it was it was you know people going and waiting and waiting for this sort of announcement because it also had been announced that David Tennant was going to be in Hamlet in mm-hmm. um in the for the Royal Shakespeare Company playing down at the Globe so people were like well he can't do both what's going to happen yeah. and then sure enough it was announced that he was he was uh, hanging up the uh, giving in the TARDIS keys and there was indeed not going to be a full series but a series of extended length specials mm. and um i mean because this came this sort of came as uh, a bit of a shock i mean because really this was the apex of david tennant's fame oh yeah and really and really the fa- the the popularity of the show because i mean i've, I've referred a few times to what became known as david tennantmus which <laughs> preceded this where david tennant and to us and the degree um uh, some of the other like companions of the show and things like that were basically mm-hmm. on every sort of panel game show and yeah. Christmas special thing that was on on at Christmas, and it really the, the enormity of the show it, it reached saturation point, hadn't it? Truly, mm-hmm. and I mean because they're all on everything, and you just thought, well, it, it it's 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 got so big now, how can it possibly? Where can it go from here? And it really mm. something had to give. And it was the fact. I mean, because I think we we talked a bit. I mean, when we we covered series three and four, that the mill who were doing the um, the special effects and stuff, basically they could not keep up with this level of production. They were basically filming like nine or ten months of the year. I think they were filming. I mean, it ended up that obviously when they were filming the Christmas special, I mean, if you watch the Christmas special, The Runaway Bride, you can tell it's 30 degrees in some mm. of these. They're still in the middle of summer, um, <laughs> that, you know, things like that. So it was it was getting ridiculous. And like I say, something had to that they had to that something had to kind of step back. And this was their way of, of doing it. But the reaction that people had to it was like they they were being invited to cut a limb off. Mm. I mean, literally, like the show is dead. We're only getting four episodes, and because um, I mean, still, even now, the the fact that 
Doctor Who gets 12 episodes a year yeah. and it's not a soap. It's extremely unusual. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go on old TV tropes, they have a trope called, called British Brevity. Oh, yeah. Because we do not do long, great big long series. I mean, that, that again, that's changing now again with, with Netflix. You get like, um, you know, these 15, 17, 20, 21 episode yeah. series that they put out and then put out in bits or a whole chunk on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might change things a bit. But at this time, unless you're a soap, like so say EastEnders, Holby, things like that, mm-hmm. that are on basically all year round, yeah. you get, like Sherlock, you you get three episodes or you get four or five if you're lucky. I mean, yeah. three, is, three is the kind of what you get yeah. or six. Yeah, six is kind of the standard. Yeah, especially yeah. with like, especially when you think of like shows like Red Dwarf, which even today, yeah. even though it's now um, being created by Dave, it's still only getting six episodes per series. Yeah, I must add that Dave is the name of a TV channel in oh, this yes. country. By the way, people who are not <laughs> from the UK. So yes, we have a TV channel. It is called Dave. The mm-hmm. plus one, which is an hour later, is called Dave Javu. Yeah. So you know, they call me Dave Javu. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Javo. Oh god, that's so funny. Um see an episode of QI for that. Um but yeah, it, it but I think what the big problem was that people thought that now that they'd gone down to what turned out to be one So if you take the end of time as two episodes, mm-hmm. it's five yeah. um in just over a calendar year. Mm. People were like, well they're not going to go back to 13 which it was at the time, mm. that, you know, we'll, we'll never go back to 13. They're only going to let us have three or four or five and all this sort of thing. I mean, in the end, this turned out to obviously be unfounded. Mm-hmm. Um, we're now at 12, which I yeah. think maybe works better. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be all right for for the show. And I think it's a good compromise to, yes, we've lost an episode, but if it means that it gets made on time and the mm-hmm. mill aren't animating things the day it's meant to be broadcasted, <laughs> um, then yeah, I think that's probably a good compromise. But yeah, I remember say at the time it was, Oh, the howls were just, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was kind of difficult to work out what was causing more problems. The, <laughs> the, the brevity issue or the David Tennant going issue. I think it was the, the, the fact that David Tennant got kind of a, a, a farewell tour, it kind of mm. softened the blow a bit. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, depending on how how softened the blow, how softened the blow is, um, <laughs> is is again your up to your interpretation. So, we're, we're, what we're going to do? I know that we normally don't do when we do these series reviews. We don't normally do include the Christmas episodes, mm. uh, but. A slight, a slight change of plans here. We will talk about the next Doctor and obviously the end of times, mm-hmm. uh, one of one and two, um, because otherwise we're just talking about three episodes and yeah. this is going to be very long. So, I mean, and it's sort of difficult to know where else to put these. I mean, we've done Christmas episodes worst to first, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a chat about them. So let's make a start on the next Doctor, shall we? Yeah. Um, a highly... Oh, this the run-up to this episode was so weird and this is kind of why I wanted to talk about it a bit mm-hmm. because although... Doctor Who was being kept to insane levels of secrecy. Yeah. Um, because obviously Facebook and Twitter, I mean, Twitter was sort of, this is when Twitter was real big and, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, you know, on it all the time and rumours going round and forum posts and this sort of thing. You had this very strange experience. If I remember sort of the run up to the next Doctor, that, mm-hmm. that Christmas of 2008, um, and you had people that are in this. Uh, so David Morrissey and Dervla Kerwin are pretty big deals in this country. People know mm. who they are. 
Um, I mean, Dermot Curley was mad famous from Bally Kiss Angel yeah. and things like that and Cold Feet. So kind of getting her, I mean, because she's a proper actor, yes, right? Yes. So getting getting her is kind of a coup. But then the whole thing of the BBC will kind of ship them out to all the publicity things. So you go on ITV and all the breakfast shows. Mm-hmm. I remember watching uh, Saturday Kitchen, which is a thing in the UK where it's sort of a thing they put on before the football starts, but after the morning news. So it's like yeah. from sort of 10 till 12.30 in, on Saturday morning. And it's yeah, sort of like that. a magazine sort of cooking, magazine slash sort of cooking show. Mm-hmm. And they had um, Derva Kerwin on this. And the guy who was interviewed, I mean, literally, she was on this saying, I don't know why I'm on this show. I cannot tell you anything. <laughs> and it wasn't just her. It was literally the people going on the, being sent off to these, um, to these you know to go and do kind of talking head stuff with mm. the kind of the great and good of morning television and they're just like hello i'm such and such and i'm in this episode but that's all i can tell you i cannot tell you who i am <laughs> i can't tell you what i'm wearing oh there was like one screenshot and that's all you're getting mm-hmm. and i remember just thinking this is so stupid yeah i mean it, it kind of it, this is when it kind of reached its nadir this whole thing of of kind of enforced secrecy and all this mm-hmm. sort of thing i mean i don't know if if you've got any recollection of that at all i th- it it the the sort of the specials year is always a bit like hazy to me. I think it's just because mm-hmm. like there wasn't that much like to it. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Obviously, we only got our five episodes. Um, I didn't like really see any of like, the interviews with uh, David Curlow and uh, or David Morrissey or anything like that. Um, but you're right. I mean, the the secrecy levels. I mean, especially for this, when you sort of like, look back on it, it's nothing. Yeah. I think the only sort of like, reason why you kind of the BBC were trying to like keep this sort of big wrap up because you want to keep the mystery of whether David Morrissey actually is going to be the eleventh Doctor. Yeah, I mean that was that was the big twist with this episode is obviously going out. Everyone knew it was called the next Doctor. Mm-hmm. You've got someone who could viably be the next Doctor. Yeah. Um, and they were definitely selling this angle. I mean, not that I don't think I don't think really anyone very much bought this idea, but yeah, the mm. the levels of secrecy were kind of. Well, I mean, it was kind of this sort of self-hyping kind of monstrosity that trying to build up this idea that it, it, he was going to be the next Doctor. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I imagine the, rumor, the rumors were out there and they didn't do anything to stop them, I think probably mm. is, is more what they were doing. But yeah, I just remember sort of thinking, surely no one is buying this. Because this is a point where, I mean, obviously this precedes us uh, for Peter Capaldi becoming the Doctor. Mm-hmm. There was this perceived level of there is like this line of fame, and like yeah. below this line you can conceivably be the doctor, but if you're above this line of mm. fame, you couldn't possibly be. You're just too famous. Yeah, and I, mean, I think there was a perception that David Morrissey was above the fame line. Yes, I think it's because he's he's been around a bit, and you've got to remember it. Um, okay, obviously yes, you had Christopher Eccleston, a very well known actor, um, but yes. he was brought in to sort of like give the show some credence and say, hey, we're going to do this. You know, properly, it's not like we're not going to like throw around the usual sort of jokey names of people who could play the Doctor, like um, like Paul Daniels and whatever you, things like that. Um, but when you remember back when David Tennant was announced as the Doctor, he was practically a nobody. I mean, he would appeared in Casanova, yeah, um, which again was Russell T Davies, and and that really sort of like brought him to the forefront of people's knowledge. But he was still sort of like. You know, not like a big name. Yeah, and obviously... it's sort of like 
yeah, yeah. you're right. I mean, say about Christopher Eccleston. Um, yes, he is an actor, but mm-hmm. I think as well he was kind of in that same sort of fame zone as David Tennant. In that, I think if you again, David Morrissey as well was in Our Friends in the North. People knew him from that, mm-hmm. but I mean that had been years earlier. And then, mm. obviously, you had gone in 60 seconds. Yeah, well, true. <laughs> Which, sure. And then, I mean, then he did the sort of same thing that David Tennant did. He was in a, in a big ze- in a big series. Mm-hmm. So, Chris Ferguson was in Second Coming, um, and David Tennant was in Casanova. And mm-hmm. those were big shows at the time. Yeah. And that it's sort of everybody, it was sort of the water cooler kind of shows before. So, mm-hmm. they were just on that cusp. So, then when they were cast as the Doctor it was like, okay, this is sort of a good next step for them. Whereas, like I say, I think, I I don't know why, but I feel like David Morrissey was definitely above the the high watermark. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm going to quick look and see what he was like doing around about that time. Yeah, I mean, because obviously everyone knows him now because he was in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, Um, I mean, there's not really that much sort of jumping out. mm. Yeah. from here but um yeah he, he always seems to be like around a lot do you know what i mean yeah he was sort of in like if it, if there's a costume drama and you need someone to be like snooty lieutenant number two mm. like david morrissey <laughs> get on the phone to his agent you mm-hmm. know so but yeah i don't know it, like i say this sort of weird imaginary line that i i mean, I'm, i think a lot of not just i'm sure it's not just me mm-hmm. but like i say when when peter capaldi was cast that line kind of got obliterated because peter mm-hmm. capaldi in my mind was way above the fame line oh yeah um so that that line is, is very blurred now um so yeah, but I mean, at the time, it was it was kind of it was sort of so he's not it's not him definitely not him it's not even a yeah it's not a, he's he's not even a choice so this whole fiction of you know this being the next Doctor is kind of a nonsense and going mm. into the episode um, I remember being quite underwhelmed by it and I've seen it again pretty recently mm-hmm. and yeah the 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 feeling kind of remains the same it's not bad no. It, it's it's a fine Christmas episode, but I think it's like I say, it just could not maintain the hype yeah. for me. Um, it it does a good job of of kind of of pushing that that idea as far as it can possibly go, mm-hmm. and leaving it to the last minute. And the resolution's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's got some funny things in it, but it is let down, I think, by the Cyber King more than anything else. Yeah. Because if you've seen the video for the Beastie Boys Intergalactic, <laughs> you cannot fail but think. <laughs> yeah, that that was sort of like the moment where this episode kind of lost me. Yeah, it because did it's me. it's so ridiculous. I mean, it's practically it's a hundred and fifty foot tall, like robot stomping across. Victorian London. I mean, okay, yeah, it's a Christmas special, so you can sort of expect things to be a little bit daffy. But yeah. that was just a bit. That was just like, we're goddamn ridiculous. I mean, I yeah, can't even um, get away with the cyber shades. Yeah, they're, they're borderline. <laughs> you could get away. I mean, you see, only see them a couple of times, and okay, I, I get it. You're, you're sort of trying to use them as attack dogs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this idea that this kind of wicked stepmother is using <laughs> sort of Dickensian orphans to build a giant. Fucking robot man <laughs> that sort of stomps around London like the part Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Yeah, I think it lost a lot of people. You know, it was as well. I mean, it's Chris, like you say, it's Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there with a turkey sandwich balanced on my stomach. You know, with like a, a drink, and I'm like, you know, half asleep, mm-hmm. and you know, too hot because the said drinks been on all day. 
And, you know, that comes on your shelf for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah. And and also the way it's sort of, like, dispatched. I think even Russell T. Davis um, said, like, the way it was, that particular threat was dealt with was all wrong. Like, uh, it should have been, and he said it should have been Miss Hartigan who somehow did something or other so it, you know, ends up disappearing into time voice rather than having this sort of, like, remnant of Dalek technology that the Doctor uses as a sort of rifle to sort of, mm. like, beam it straight into the time vortex so it would, like, dissipate. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that aside, I think there's some really good performances in it. I mean, especially when you have mm. the big reveal of the fact that David Morrissey's character is not the Doctor. And, you know, the, the fact that, you know, he has his few... Um, the, his, like, basically, his mind's been broken... And mm. the the part where he realizes he's like his wife's been killed by the Cybermen, and he just just collapses into like a, a sobbing wreck, and it's just you can't mm. help but feel sorry for the poor guy. And, no, of course not. You know you've got um, Delco and his uh, Miss Hartigan, and she she does like really like very arch sort of very bitchy sort of character, and it's it's great. I mean you know mm. the Cyber King will rise how like a man. And all that, and you know, mm. got, she's got like the blood red dress, dress. yeah, and everybody's yeah. like giving a side eye. Um, when it, it's like it's very much like heavily, heavily implied that she was raped, yeah, or a victim of sexual abuse, certainly. And that's that's why she's the way she is in like pretty much every conversation. And he got that in Christmas episodes. <laughs> Yeah, happy Christmas! Yay. Yeah, well, I mean, this is this is the standard for British Christmas fare. I mean, in, mm. unless you're miserable, it's it's not Christmas telly. Um, yeah, I mean, because yeah. you've got you got to remember, like your usual like soap operas usually ends with at least one person dying or something oh, if no blowing one's up, dead. or yeah, you know, a plane drops on. I don't think it was that that was the time of year, but you know what I mean. Like something completely catastrophic happens, yes. and just like. Can you not just have like a normal Christmas where people just like sit around and play board games and so I like, wish everybody would just bugger off so you can like have a lie down on the couch? Yeah, just go away. I want to play with my toys. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, it, yeah, that's that's British Christmas in a yeah. in a sort of you should if you're not in a semi comatose heap, you're down A and E. So <laughs> it's like one or the other. So yeah. um, it's uh, it, it yeah it, it it that is typical for us. But yeah, it's. It's kind of one of those annoying episodes of Doctor Who in that it's there's there's a bunch of good ideas but they're kind of lost in with a, a bit of a, a story that just kind of is there mm-hmm. and yeah some some overwhelmingly and <laughs> shitty effects yeah but, but I tell you it's one of those the next Doctor is one of those ones if you're sitting there and thinking about episodes I guarantee you the next Doctor is the one you forgot mm. like if you're doing the list because it's just like. It's yeah. just kind of ephemera. It just doesn't even. Mm-hmm. It is just a thing that's there. It, it, I don't know. So mm. yeah. Anyway, so this was Christmas in two thousand and eight, and so four months later, we yeah. had in April. It was Planet of the Dead, mm-hmm. um, which kind of continued this trend of episodes <laughs> which just exist. Yeah. Because um, again, aside from a great big red bus, mm-hmm. there's it's a pretty. An episode which okay, that's that's there then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I 
I, like I say, with the, the 2009 specials, I have to like, read up on a lot of them. Because yeah. they, like, they don't... Like, obviously, you've got like the iconography of the Big Red Bus. And that only sort of happened because somebody in Dubai was like incredibly careless and dropped a container on it. Mm. <laughs> and I remember, I remember reading um, The Writer's Tale, um, which is mm. a book by Russell T. Davis and Benjamin Cook, which is actually a really bloody good book. I highly recommend it if you can uh, still get hold of it. And... There's this bit where, like, Russell Hughes, like, writes to Benjamin because it's like, they've dropped a container on the bus. <laughs> I mean, because I think it was, it's a route. I mean, because our bus nerd's going to yell at me. Chuck's not here, so he's not here to yell at me because he's a bus nerd. Mm-hmm. But um, it was a route master. And I mean, when you watch. Um, when you watch British te- or watch telly, which has London in it, yeah. if it's not a taxi or you know a <laughs> over a, you know a, a shot of Big Ben, or, yeah, <laughs> or Buckhouse, it's it's a it's a route master bus. And the mm-hmm. thing is, though, those route masters aren't made anymore. They're, no. they're antiques. They have new kind of shiny, you know, whiz bang route masters now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the old the old icon, uh, you know, icon that is that route master bus mm-hmm. they, they you rarely see them on the street now i've had yeah. a, when i lived in london occasionally they turn up as the rail replacement bus when mm-hmm. they didn't have anything else <laughs> but they are iconic and you know there aren't they're, they're 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 around but you know they're not making them anymore so every time someone drops a container on one and breaks it <laughs> that's one less beautiful iconic route master that exists in the world so yeah there, there was a lot of um phone calls and i mean there was this whole thing about that that was the other thing as well them schlepping all the way to dubai to do this yeah which was sort of a big thing because i say it's not in a quarry mm. or you know some wet weekend in you know barry in wales you know it's um <laughs> it, they you know they bothered to pack up the whole production mm-hmm. and fly eight bleeding hours to dubai just to do that just to do this yeah um so yeah, it was a bit of like BBC wasting my money, <laughs> taking all these people to Dubai and then destroying mm. pieces of British culture while you're there. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but I mean, apart from that, like you say, Planet of the Dead is it, it like it exists. It it's much exists. to do about nothing. Yeah, it's. I mean, I hate to call it filler, but it's kind but of it's filler. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like it was entirely. Built around the last line, the, the, he will knock four times, mm. and it was essentially. Where do we put done. this? Where do we put this? We need an episode to put this in. We don't want to put it at the end of the next Doctor. Mm. And again, it for the sake of having a um, kind of uh, they, they, I feel like they tried to kind of up their their level of guest stars yeah. um, for for this, and so you get Michelle Ryan playing Lady Christina D'Souza. Mm. Um, the wannabe companion at the end who doesn't get a shot because she's a scumbag, um, <laughs> which is quite funny. Um, again, Michelle Ryan, an odd case, uh, seems to have kind of not really done much as of late, but at the time was quite famous. She'd just mm. been, uh, she'd just been in our, our sort of arguably our premier soap EastEnders big story, like big, big storyline in that. Yeah. Um, and uh, she did, was it, oh, was it the Bionic Woman in the States that was yes. sort of start? Cause um, I know That's that, right. Ro, Shout out to you, Ro Karen, because I mainly you you were interested in this young lady and <laughs> thought she was cool. Because um, she was in the Bionic Woman, I think, and mm. the reason why that was starting to get big, but then it was curtailed by the writer's strike, which happened about this time as well. It was, yeah. Um, so oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, that's only ten years ago now. When you think it the was, writer's strike, uh, what has she done since? Um, um, let me have a quick look. Um, yeah. 
yeah, so I remember she she was a bit of a get. I remember at the time. Mm. Um, oh god, yeah, she was in Cockneys vs Zombies, a oh, highly yeah. excellent film. <laughs> um, if I if I may say, yeah, she's mm. um. Da, 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 da. Oh, okay, and she was in Cabaret with oh, yeah. Will Young on the on the stage. On so yeah, other than that, a bit um a bit quiet. Other than that, bless her up. But um, mm-hmm. she's done a couple of films and stuff. But yeah, I remember at the time because like I say, she was. She'd just been sort of casting this this big at the time a big sort of American TV production. Mm-hmm. Getting her for who was kind of like a bit of a bit of a bit of a coup. Yeah. So, um, but unfortunately for her, Lady Christina D'Souza is a it could be. I think again, people just if you talk to people about this episode, they go who? Yeah. And that's not her fault. It's it, the script is is pretty it's pretty inconsequential to me mm. um, from my point of view. Um, it's one of those things of I don't want to sound mean, but if I never had to watch Planet of the Dead again, I think I'd be all right with it. Mm-hmm. Apart from there's one really bit that did make me laugh when he's got the gold cup oh, and yeah. he hammers it onto the oyster card reader <laughs> on, the, on the bus, and she's just like, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, that is that is really funny. I will give mm-hmm. the script that bit. That does that is good, cool. Yeah. I did, um, one thing I did, one thing does come back to my mind about Planet of the Dead is I don't, I'm always I'm misremembering it, but I seem to remember that there was this sort of sense that you have like the the Tritovores, which are these sort yeah. of like fly headed aliens, and there seemed to be like a bit of a thing like these were meant to be the villains of the piece, but yeah. you don't you actually have the swarm, and I quite actually like the idea of the swarm because it's you know something. Alien, there's like basically flying stingrays, like armored mm. stingrays, and the the idea that they've completely laid waste to this planet they've appeared, they've landed on, uh, St. Helios, and like when you say the thing was like it's a bit where they like reviewing the logs and um, you see it was like like sparkling cities and wide open like like parks and all that, and it's all very pretty, and then you know the the swarm arrive and just reduce the entire planet to dust. Um, yeah, that that's that was always a great idea. But the the Tritophore, I remember, I seem to remember there was some sort of like, like I say, there was this idea that they were supposed to be like the villains of the piece. I mean, I don't know if I'm remembering that right. Yeah, they were. I mean, obviously, I think the the idea is that you have the kind of big ugly head alien, so they mm. must be the baddies. But then there's like, mm. oh, you know, you judgmental fucks. It's actually not them. It's these people. These yeah. things over here. So yeah, but again. I think it was, you know, I went to the Doctor Who exhibition a, a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and um, I think you would struggle to, <laughs> to remember that Planet of the Dead was a thing that, I mean, I don't remember seeing a Tritovore in there, mm. which is a shame, because uh, I remember it was quite a cool looking design. Yeah. I, I, sh- I watched the clip of uh, Planet of the Dead on YouTube and, you know, they've got like so the the mouth parts like move when they're like speaking and, you know, they don't like speak English, they just have this sort of clicking language. Which mm. the Doctor can understand, but nobody else can. Which is, I think, something that Doctor Who doesn't really do that very often. I mean, obviously you no. have the Hath in Series 4. Um, but, you know, it's it's nice to have every once in a while have an alien race. The Doctor can understand perfectly, but for some reason the translation circuits of the TARDIS, it doesn't like work on the companions or what have you. I mean, obviously in Christina's case, she wasn't on board the TARDIS, so... Mm. The translation service didn't have an opportunity to take effect. That's mm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah. yeah. So um, for me, I feel I remember sort of thinking at the time that mm, we were off to kind of a shaky start mm-hmm. because we've had, you know, it's basically been 
at this point, we, we have, we've got so the Waters of Mars didn't broadcast until November, so mm-hmm. we had a long wait, yeah. and it was like this is all we've had. I mean, it wasn't like it was like um, you know Christmas then. It was quarterly. It was like these two, and then a long ass wait, and then November, and then Christmas to that 2009, New Year's Day 2010. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like we had one in July or August to yeah. sort of tide us over. So yeah, I remember sort of feeling a bit kind of after the end of Planet of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then, Waters of Mars happened, and it Holy. blew my goddamn trousers off because Holy fuck shit. me, I could yeah. talk about this episode for hours. Mm. It's almighty. incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um I mean, where do you start with this? It's it's unbelievable Waters yeah. of Mars. I mean, I would say it, I almost think just fuck off the rest of the the specials here and just have this. <laughs> if we just had this as a mm-hmm. like, you know, a, you know, maybe put another 20 minutes on it mm-hmm. and make it like, you know, Doctor Who movie. Yeah. Um I mean, it's got to be one of the most memorable episodes of of Who kind of ever. Mm. The end is devastating. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that's probably where we should start with this one. Because, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, when I I remember, like, watching, like, Wars of Mars and being, like, thrilled throughout, because, you know, this is, like, one of, this is, like, up there with one of the bleakest Doctor Who episodes going. It's bleakest. T- British TV anything yeah um, I mean because again I know we sort of go on about because we do bleak mm-hmm. but this is bleak yeah um, but the end when Adelaide kills herself I mean obviously you don't see it on camera but you know when you see the flash of blue light mm. in the house window of the house you know what she's done and it's yeah. just like Jesus Christ you actually you did that like, yeah, like the show went there. Yeah, because I remember was... sort of watching this, and where obviously you know it's kind of going there. And mm-hmm. as a sort of informed viewer, you think, I remember thinking, "Fuck me, are they going to do this? Mm-hmm. Is she going to kill herself Is yeah. for real?" And then, like you say, there's either flash on the window, and I was like, "Holy mm-hmm. shit, they did yeah. it!" It is. It's still a gut punch. Oh, it still is, even if you know it's coming. Yeah, and I mean, even like the five or so minutes before that. When you've got David Tennant as the tenth as the tenth Doctor, just going, fuck it, I'm doing what I want for a change. Yeah, the I mean, it, I think it's it, just like, yeah. oh my god, it's like, it's one of those moments where you, you sort of want to root against the Doctor. You kind yeah. of want something to come along and sort of give him a proverbial slap in the face and go, hey, knock it off. But yeah, he I doesn't, mean... and he goes through with it, and then obviously, you know. Adelaide's suicide does knock the wind out of his sails, but he doesn't learn from it. You know, the the last shot of the episode is a, is him in the TARDIS setting it away. The cloister bell starts ringing and he goes, no. Mm. And it's just I was like, Jesus Christ. It's, it's like, it just see, it's so wrong somehow to, to um, see our hero act in this way. Yeah, I mean, it, it speaks to the power of, of this episode that it it feels like a physical gut punch this episode mm-hmm. from kind of when the doctor turns up and things are starting he's starting to go off the rails and you think okay he's going to something's going to happen he's going to come back mm-hmm. but it it's just it, it's it like I say, it's shocking this episode it truly yeah. is and it's it, even for an adult obviously i mean obviously 
you think of like you know you love the doctor and all this sort of thing he's our mm-hmm. hero and all this sort of thing you think as a grown up yeah whatever you know you like it but it's not that big a deal and then you watch something like that and you think oh, no don't do it how could you do it mm-hmm. it's it the emotional effect it has on you is it kind of took me it kind of took me by surprise it kind of it, it really hit me from left field like how mm. emotional watching him watching him do this and knowing how you know sort of how wrong it is yeah and like i say that that ending where he says no and you know hits the hits the um hits the controls and you think fuck yeah what what's next uh, yeah i mean it was kind of like all was forgiven at, mm. at that point and yeah so i mean it it took Doctor Who to a place I think none of us ever thought they would have the balls to go to. Yeah. And thank God they did because I think it, out of really quietly, Waters of Mars changed the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it changed what the Doctor is capable of and what we what are we expecting of an audience mm-hmm. and the lengths this show is prepared to go to. Like, like I say, I've talked about the two famous line. I felt like that sometimes Doctor Who is kind of, it has a series of red lines it couldn't possibly ever cross. Mm-hmm. And this episode was basically putting up, throwing up double middles to that notion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like the, you know, 50 odd minutes before all the, the dating one, um, the bits where, you know, when the Doctor's sort of like, just like standing around Bowie base one, he's going like, I, sh- I should go, I really should get out of here. And, you know, when the floods start attacking and there's one bit, I can't remember the character's name, but, you know, she's got kids back back home at Earth and she gets trapped in one of the ante rooms of the bridge by the by the water. And she's she's stuck and she knows she can't get out. She knows there's no way she can survive this. So with tears streaming down her face, she's like she replays her last video message from Earth. And it's just like, oh my god, no! Yeah, and, no, yeah. And like when Adelaide's second in command gets got by the waterways, trying to like fire up the um, the shell craft so they can like try and book out of there. And you know he's starting to turn, and he has this line. So I, you know, we never we never like really find out like what he means by it. He says, you know, you never did forgive me or whatever he says to her. And then he, he just as his eyes start to turn like the blue of the flood, like um, he flips the self destruct, and it's like the entire shuttle goes up and you know wrecks that, and it's just sort of like holy shit, you know? Yeah, it is. It's it's a gut punch from beginning to end, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to watch as as a viewer who's been watching Doctor Who for a long time. When the Doctor Who, when the Doctor turns up in these in these places and you, you the the crew that's on board or the people that are on board meeting with we meeting with hostility. Yeah. It you kind of you kind of I'll go oh, for fuck's sake look, he's going to he's going to sort you out. It'll be all right and we'll get there in a minute. Mm-hmm. But truly this was like seeing it from the flip side yeah. that the Doctor turns up and you you kind of end up in empathizing with the people on the base. Mhm. Because, you know, the Doctor is not helping. No. <laughs> and, you know, has decided to take, you know, has taken umbrage at the whole notion of the the, the laws of time and mm-hmm. is using the, these poor buggers as kind of his conduits. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's really interesting as a long-time Doctor Who fan to be put in the position of the people that you usually go, oh, for fuck's sake, mate, stop mm-hmm. moaning, he's going to sort you out. Um, it's, yeah, it, I was like, and for a, for a basically... A really simplistic idea for a for a baddie, which mm-hmm. is basically some water. Yeah, it's horrifying. It's one yeah. of the most scary, um, one of the most scary villains I think that 
the they've had on the shows kind of full stop and it, it's basically mm-hmm. it's water yeah it's, but there's a whole notion that it's always coming and you can't stop it, yeah. it you know the water always wins line is yes. it's true if anyone's ever been like i have confronted with a leaking roof mm-hmm. no matter what you do <laughs> it's coming in and yeah. Um, yeah it's it that line does get because when we moved house we had a very shitty kind of lean-to roof <laughs> on our, our part of our part of our um house mm-hmm. and yeah the water always wins line got deployed quite a few times because <laughs> that's what it felt like they're stepping over seven buckets trying to get to the other side of the room yeah i mean like it's it's kind of surprising that Stephen moffat sort of like it's surprising that like phil ford and russell t davis beat moffat to the punch on this one because yeah. the idea of sort of like sentient evil water is just so insidious. Yeah. Again, I mean, when when you've got like parts of Bow Base One like streaming with water, and you just think, shit, there's no way out of this. Yeah, it's like it's like when you watch Titanic, and mm-hmm. you know, apart from all the bloody Kate and Leo stuff, yeah. yeah, it's just that you know, every turn you're confronted by more of it, and it's only getting worse. It it, it cannot be stopped at that point and yeah it's yeah that kind of hopeless feeling of, of that is yeah it, it's shocking it like so i keep saying shocking but it is shocking mm-hmm. and like you're right that because this is straight out of the 12th doctor playbook this one is oh yeah this sort of story um but yeah the fact that you, you're right that they beat them off to the punch on something kind of this emotional and we're talking about casting what a brilliant bit of casting it was to get Lindsay Duncan mm. as Adelaide because she is the sort of actor who can carry the weight of this and not make it like cheesy or hysterical yeah. or make it it's dead serious mm. and she can she can kind of she's got the gravitas to bring that yeah so yeah because I mean, if she'd been bad this episode would not have thought of of uh, ever worked yeah. but um no it's everyone is great in this and yeah. um yeah there's something uh, David Tennant has really uh, he does crazy eyes really well <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um yeah when he's sort of at his most unhinged it's like oh my god yeah you would not want to meet this dude you... in a dark alley <laughs> no know? of course not no <laughs> um I mean it's not like he's, he's got like previous you know um I think he was Barty Crouch Jr. in um one of the Harry Potter films and he gets yes. to go like pretty mental with that I mean he doesn't I don't think he does it so much in Jessica Jones as uh Kilgrave but he is still very insidious. I mean, especially when you consider he uses like his tenth Doctor voice to play that role, and he's the character is such like a creepy, sort of mind controlling, like rapey piece of shit, and mm. it's just like, oh no, it's oh god, it's like so wrong. It has an has an infuriating arrogance about him, and yeah. I think that that is that is kind of what's on display with the Doctor, and I think that. Because again, the kind of the messages that the doc, that Doctor Who puts out, sort of constantly, not constantly, but like things you hear about the Time Lords, for mm-hmm. example, is that you kind of get the feeling that how the Doctor is there is kind of the default for all Time Lords. <laughs> this kind of like unbelievable arrogance and like um, just kind of swanning about the place like they know everything, yeah. and that yeah, and um, how dangerous some of the things that the doctor confronts it's so easy to be complacent about these things but like they say this episode just slaps you out of all these things with with this mm-hmm. and um yeah it was it was a long old wait until christmas day 09 mm-hmm. um for the follow-up like you say because it, it ends on that no 
Yeah. And I was going to say, I remember just sitting there and everyone just, one of those things of when we watched it, it was, it, one of those things of everyone was sitting there and just kind of like, uh, for a good couple of minutes afterwards, <laughs> like, what the hell afterwards? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that six weeks wait for uh, the next one, mm-hmm. the, the end of time yeah. to come was a longer wait. Um, and then it arrived and, yeah. Mm. The end of time one and two. It's, um, it's a strange beast, this one. Because it's it's kind of like a story of two halves. Yeah. Um, so I think really we should like focus on part one first. Yes. Um, and the fact you've got the Doctor turning up on the Ood Sphere again, which was very nice. Mm. Um, the fact that he comes out with this, wearing this cowboy hat and a lay, <laughs> sort of just yeah. like... Uh, it's like, okay. Um, but I mean, obviously he's, you know, he knows he's fucked up. But yeah. he's so desperately trying to, like, avoid facing any sort of responsibility for it. So he goes on this sort of vacation, if you will. And yeah. sort of just, like, bounds about the place. And it's just like, you, you really have not learned, have you, mate? No. <laughs> and obviously you have the... <laughs> <laughs> I know, every time we bring him up, we laugh, don't we? Because we brought him up a couple of times. Yeah. Um, the return of John Sim as the master. <laughs> Fire... <laughs> a cauldron <laughs> yes a coven of yes prison, prison guards, guards. <laughs> oh, um, you know what it's i don't know what films russell t davis have been watching but it's something straight out of a hammer like the, the shit yeah. possible hammer horror film yeah i'm surprised it didn't like have like christopher lee as like a guest appearance sort of like <laughs> Or Edward Woodward stuffed in a wicker man round the back. <laughs> it was like, oh my goodness. I remember just sort of sitting and watching it going, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. <laughs> it was like that. That was sort of how I felt. I mean, I've told this story before, but I'll tell it again for everyone who's maybe not listened to old episodes or something. Mm-hmm. But on the day this was broadcast, I came down with a swine flu mm. and I was extremely unwell. Um, yeah. And it was a thing of like, I was sitting in, like, sitting on the sofa under a blanket, like ridiculous fever chills shivering mm-hmm. you know felt terrible and chuck was like you know are you gonna make it to watch this and i was like i'm gonna make it <laughs> and i remember sort of watching it and uh, you know uh, the bit where john sim is like dinner time and go sort of jump superman jumps into like that thing and i was like what the fuck is-? i've been turning around to chuck <laughs> yeah. saying is, is this guy is this happening now or am i like am i tripping my face off because <laughs> what the fuck is going on yeah, and, you know, apparently the Master's resurrection allows him to have, like, Iron Man repulsor rays. Yeah, um, and, you know, force lightning. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can definitely remember... Um, now, was there an actual Next Time trailer tagged onto what was Mars for End of Time or... I don't think there was, but I remember. Don't really like, remember. Yeah, but I remember like when like the first like teasers or and trailers or so came out for End of Time Part One, and you had the bit where you like see the master in close up, and what happens like to him throughout the story is like his it's, like physiognomy like glitches, and you can like see his skull underneath. Yeah. It's supposed to, like be like a a callback to um, Jeffrey Beaver's time as the master in Deadly Assassin. Yeah. Um, but when that came out, I remember there was a lot of like people on the internet going, "Wait, what? Eh? What's what's going on yeah. here? What, what? What's all this about? What's what's going on?" When I think it was like to a point where people were thinking like you're supposed to, like a 
like a robot replicant or something. It's because I think it's just like the way the CG skull looked when he's like doing these shifts. It kind of looked like there was like metallic panels or something on his yeah. skull and what. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very weird because I mean, you often like you get the the scenes where John Sims chewing the scenery and like devouring a, like a hamburger or something and he's like watch the behind the scenes and he's like ripping like chunks out of this turkey or whatever and he's like stuffing them in the mouth but then it's sort of like you have to like spit it out into a bucket just like out yeah. of sight while he's like trying to like devour and it's just like oh you poor bastard you've got to who'd be an actor yeah. honestly yeah it must be bad enough when you've got to like like do a scene like several times over and you've got like a, you've got to be eating a sandwich or something you know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. God. Oh, it's horrible. Mm. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. Let, so I think we're probably going to... I might launch into our sort of now sort of semi-traditional let's rewrite the episode mm-hmm. because one thing that always stuck out to me about this, or two things mostly, one is it's trying to be Legopolis ever so much oh, yeah. because you have the big elephant in the room of Claire Bloom. Yes. And who's she? We don't right? know. We don't know and we never will because it's been 10 bleeding years and no one said anything else about it. <laughs> um, so it's you have her kind of hanging around. So, yeah, you have this kind of, like say, people were making Doctor Who then and now are Doctor Who nerds. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have this, it, it has that funereal feel of Logopolis. Yeah. That you, you know where we're going and it's kind of like only a matter of time before mm-hmm. we get there. Um, but... One thing I've never liked about this episode is the Immortality Gate stuff. It's just a big bleeding MacGuffin to yeah. get them to go somewhere else mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't really do anything in the episode apart from, obviously, it, it, it's a thing that allows the, the Master to replicate turning to everybody, which yeah. is, you know, is quite funny. But it, it's it's a big kind of nothing in the whole scheme of what's happening. Mm-hmm. So for me, I feel like what they should have done in part one is it's the doctor arrives and he's he goes back to Earth and ha- hooks up with with uh, Wilf and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the resurrection of the Master should have been the cliffhanger. That should have been the yes. end of episode one. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's, I can see that happening. Maybe it's like the resurrection gate gets. Uh, the Immortality Gate, rather, gets, like, hijacked by... I mean, you can still have, like, the sort of the cult of the Master or what have you. Yeah. But it's it's the whole, it's like, witchcrafty sort of potions nonsense that sort of, like, pulls you up short. It does. and I, But, I mean, you could have had the... You, you say, you could have had it easily that the, the cult of the Master are the ones who are after the sort of the magic MacGuffin. Yeah. And is also, resurrected him, then you turn him into the Master Race. You can still have that. Yeah. It's just the whole thing that they waste time going to the bloody, what is it called? Like, hang on, let's look it up. The Namus Naismith, Ex- yeah. Naismith, that's yeah. it, uh, institution, and meeting them. And it's like, you people are pointless, bless them. Mm-hmm. It's, it, once you get the Master there, it's... You know what he's going to do. You know what he's going to do. So... You know, the, like I say, the cliffhanger should be we've resurrected the master and we've used this thing, but we fucked it up and now everyone's the master. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you obviously... could, or you could like have him like resurrected and then he sort of like uses the immortality gate to clone himself. Like he sort of he sort of double crosses his own sort of like followers. It's like, well, you I know, mean, you're all that... just tools or something to bring yeah, about I mean, my... That is... 
that is straight out of the master playbook. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you could have had it rather than like say just sort of be summoned out of nothing essentially from like you know Newt's eye and you know hair of rabbit or something like this. We can't get over that. I can't. It's so daft. It's so stupid. I mean, let's say there's kind of because there's no there's no build up to it either. Yeah. We haven't had any mention that you know a couple of lines here or there would have done that. Despite everything that happened, obviously what what the human race does or does not remember of what the master did to them is you know mm. um but you could still say that the the master has you know a culty following still yeah. and um people have taken it too far and or he was sort of saved off the pyre and you can have a sort of crispy master yeah like they had back in deadly assassin exactly. so yeah for yeah. me for me part one is like it's one of those sort of there's loads of ideas let's just put them all in episode mm-hmm. Um, but again, pulling out the stops on the casting, one thing I do like, good old Timothy Dalton as Rassilon. Oh, because hell, yeah. the cheese is perfect. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's, you know, it's a level of fromage that he brings to brings to that performance. Yeah. I feel like he was doing it and, you know, Russell T was sort of saying, no, no, bigger, darling, bigger, bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marvellous, you know. And, um, <laughs> hooray. Yeah, hooray. And, um, yeah, so you basically have this great big panto villain of yeah. Rassilon coming but it, in. But it works. It I mean, works. Because when you consider like what kind of person Rassilon was, I mean, even in yeah. like, like Five Doctors, when you have that hologram, he's very like plummy, you know? So yeah. if, like, you, can, you can sort of like see him being sort of this sort of gregarious type of person, you know, if, if a bit unstable when he was alive. But then when he gets brought back to like command the Time Lords in the Time War, you know, he just goes fucking off the deep end. Um, you know, and we see that evidenced in part two, you know, we the bit, I will not die, yeah. sort of, like, bit. Um, but I do, I mean, that actually is probably one of the, one of the great cliffhangers I do, like, um, when, you do, you, you hear his voiceover, so yeah, oh, Timothy Dalton, very nice, I wonder what he's doing. And then you sort of get his face, all oh, right, so he's going to be in the episode properly, he's not just the narration. And then when he gets to the very end, and, you know, the master's taken over planet Earth, and then you see him, and it turns around, and then so the lights come up behind him, and you realise he's a Time Lord. And it's not just, then you figure out he's the president. And it's just like, yeah. oh. Ooh. Yeah. Um, um. But I will have to say, the the comedy bits with David Tennant on the Oodsphere aside, I did yes. like his performance in this, especially when he has that chat in the cafe with... Um, Bernard Cribbins Wilf yeah and he says you know I, I, th- I thought I was alright on my own but I've got things wrong and he's just like starts to break down but he managed like catches himself and then he cuts to Bernard Cribbins and he's just like oh dude and sort of like the tenth doctor like sits back in his chair and just like takes a deep breath you know when you like trying to hold it together and he just goes Merry Christmas <laughs> and um, Wilf just sort of bitterly goes yeah you too mate yeah um, it's, I was going to say, apart from obviously all the, all the sci-fi trappings and the witchcraft and all this, Russell T is best, or no, I don't want to say best, but his bread and butter is kitchen sink mm-hmm. drama and soap. And that sort of conversation in a calf, you know, yeah. if you, I say you take away that this is the doctor and this is Wilf and all the sci-fi stuff, mm-hmm. this is just a bloke chat. Yeah. You know, it's two, it's two blokes trying to sort, you know, and you've got one who's got a problem and one who's trying to sort it out. And, because it, it's you can boil it down to that, it's kind of that's why it works. Yeah. 
but it, to me, I was going to say, you have that, it's that weird it, sort of odd mood whiplash in this episode. It's like <laughs> you say, you have the sort of the comedy bits, and then, you know, so you're trying to get over the whole bloody what the master's doing now you're like what the fuck is this all about and say and then the coven and uh-huh. then you know all the weird eating stuff and then you have like these dead serious bits in there yeah and then 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 claire bloom just kind of floats past the window <laughs> like, wait a minute what's she doing here again and <laughs> it's such a weird mood whiplash this episode mm-hmm. um it's very weird um and yeah and then once it was over i then proceeded to pass out and have a very unhappy week mm. until part two turned up on yeah. the screen on new year's day um uh, again uh, i'm gonna say if look if the last episode was logopolis this episode is logopolis plus <laughs> yeah um I mean, apart from like all this the inherent silliness of yeah. six billion masters i mean i think yes. I, I think i've mentioned this once before on the podcast um but there will this one scene that russell t davis wrote which was cut from the final shooting script where um, I think one of the masters was like a Chinese general or yeah. something, and when like the the prime master was talking to him, it turned out like this the, the this Chinese general master was like on drugs or something. It was about like a bit hyper, and uh, the prime master says like no 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 we can't be doing with that. And uh, the general master goes oh shall I kill myself sir? Then yeah go on then. And then it's like it cuts like. Um, the doctor's like bound and gagged, <laughs> which yeah. is uh, a bit of a thing in this two-parter. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, and you just like hear this gunshot. And it's just like, holy shit. And I don't know. It, it, yeah, it doesn't really like fit with the rest of the episode, but I kind of wish that I could stay in just to see how absolutely warped this entire situation is you know, it's, it's all like fun and games sort of like, oh, you know, you've you've got like John Simmers, President Obama, and then you've got like the, <laughs> the you've got like the the um, the media room where it's all John Sim and one of them's in a dress and <laughs> all the clothes yeah. real fitting and all that, um, but have that like one moment of like really sort of black humor. That's not I can't even like mm. call it humor. It's just sort of like a twisted, pe- like twisted little bit, yeah. which you can totally see like John Sim's master doing. It's entirely within his wheelhouse. Um, and it's just like, I was like, whoa, holy shit. Um, but then you've also, it also gets tempered with like the scenes where again, going back to Timothy Dalton as Rassilon in the, the war council chamber. And, you know, he effect- effectively like erases one dissenter from you know, history effectively with his little gauntlet, which looks a hell of a lot like the one from uh, Torchwood, if it's not exactly the same prop. Um... You know, and you've got like the the mad old sort of, like woman at the opposite end of the table, like scribbling away and muttering to herself, and it's like mm. it's very bizarre. Yeah, um, it's, uh, it's it's got to be some of the strangest episodes of Doctor Who kind of ever put on mm. telly. Um, and I think in in contrast to what what an incredible piece of work Waters of Mars is, yeah, um, it's it, it's so weird. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can sort of, like, understand them want to try to be a bit lighthearted with it because, again, it's, like, a Christmas special and, obviously, it's, like, the New Year, so, you know, people watching it are probably going to be a little bit tipsy, you know, full of food, sort of, like, a bit knackered. Um, well, but, I was but, I was hacking up one lung well, still. Well, that's true, yes. still being infected with the swine flu, so yes. I was having no fun whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> so but, but also, you've... 
it's also like the regeneration episode, effectively. Yes. So yep. you've you kind of have to have the the sort of mood to it. Like, yes. like I say, not like necessarily the Gopolis level mood, but you've still got to have the sense that this is this Doctor's final adventure, and you know, yes. it's, it's something you'll get with like Time of the Doctor as well, and possibly Twice Upon a Time as well. Uh, mm. Coming up, so yeah, it's it's a bit schizophrenic. Um, these two parters, yeah, um, and I mean we haven't even mentioned like uh, Catherine Tate back as Donna as well. Um, yeah, and that part of the cliffhanger was a bit weird as well because you sort of like thinking, okay, so she's she's starting to get all these visions because of like the master's interference and all that, and you sort of like wonder where it goes, but. As it sort of like turns out, yeah, she gets chased around the streets a little bit, and then she sort of like fires off this wave of energy from her head, like not not of her own like volition, obviously, and then mm-hmm. it's that's kind of it, and then she sort of like sits out the rest of the episode, and yeah. it's kind of like I don't know. I mean, obviously you've got Bernard Cribbins on hand as the sort of in the companion role, and he's great, but it's kind of like you know then why did you, like, kind of bring Catherine Tate back? Yeah, it is very strange. Um, and the fact that this episode, it, it kind of ends with with 15 minutes to go, so yeah. that all of you can cry at the end, because mm-hmm. basically it comes to an end. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say end. I mean, the episode just sort of stops. Yeah. Um, with kind of a, a, a nice deus ex machina thing of the sudden, of suddenly the master catches some feelings and, and solves the problem. Yeah. Um, and um, you think, okay, that's over. But then again, you get the four knocks from Bernard, from mm. older Wilf. And you think, oh, okay, so there's your gut punch. Yeah. And then the doctor obviously, you know, eats shit so Wilf can, Wilf can live. And um, you think, okay. And you look at the clock and go, hang on a minute. This episode is 75 minutes long. Yeah. And then it's the goodbye tour. Now, hmm. Because at the time, I was into this. Again, I yeah. was quite ill. I cried my eyes out. Mm-hmm. I was like, goodbye, Sam Doctor, you're the best one. I don't need to go. Yeah. And then it was over. And then I thought, oh, I feel so manipulated. Yeah. It's it's really kind of self-indulgent. Oh, it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's... It's strange because I kind of feel... I don't know why, but I feel like sometimes that with the farewell tour you get from here and the denouement of Journey's End, I kind of feel like they, maybe they should have been matched together. Like somehow, like, this was the should have been the episode where Team Doctor rallies and helps save the day and then they all yeah. sort of part ways and the Doctor regenerates on his own. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, that's the sense I get. Um, I mean, there are some nice bits in the farewell too obviously you've got his final conversation with rose and yep. you've got the bit where he like saves luke um from being pancaked by a car which was a bit i think it was a bit of business injected by russell t davis because when they were filming the sarah jane adventures obviously they close off like streets so they can film without being disturbed but obviously well obviously because you don't know traffic then nobody thinks to like look both ways before you're crossing the road and that always sort of like knocked him a bit because, you know, it's just common sense, so that's why you get that bit. And you, you obviously you get your last good look at Liz Sladen before she sadly yeah. passed, like, in her last appearance in Doctor Who proper. Um, just sort of, like, you know, 
given the big eyes because she, she sort of like has a sense where this is going. And yeah. um, the Captain Jack stuff is not bad. Um, you can sort of like understand where he is at that time because we'd had Children of Earth, which mm-hmm. ended kind of horribly for him, even though it was his own doing. Um, the fact the Doctor shipped him with Alonzo from um, Voyage of the Dam was a little bit random. Mm-hmm. But the big sort of albatross around the neck for me of the farewell tour is um mickey and martha oh god what a shoehorn it's like we've got these two left over what we're gonna do do with them them. yeah i don't i don't mind them it wasn't the like the fighting side by side but that bothered me it was the fact they were like suddenly married yeah and it's just and it's purely (laughs) for the it's for the sort of metatextual joke of Oh, he's Mickey Smith. She's Martha Jones. Smith and Jones. Ah, ah, wah, ah. Wah. Yeah. And it would have been... I think this would have made a lot more sense had the original plan, for, I think it was for Torchwood Series 2, gone ahead when it... I think, yes. I think Noel Clark was supposed to be part of the cast. In it, yeah. And you did get Freem Argument in it for a few episodes, but that was Yeah, she was in a couple, yeah. Yeah. So if that had gone to plan, then, yeah that would have been a little bit more sort of easier to swallow. But the fact that it wasn't, and then she's like, this, well, you know, you shouldn't have married me then. It's like, whoa, 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 what? It's like, whoa, hold up. Where'd this because come from? Yeah. This, you know. It's but, just too much. Though. Wouldn't hmm. you feel, would rather it had just been Rose or yeah. it had just been Donna? Yeah. Because, I mean, that bit, I mean, when he gets, hands over the lottery ticket and, mm-hmm. and Wilfred realises what's happening and he starts sort of breaking down. And oh, I was gosh. like, oh, my God, that is my heart. I can't. Yeah. that. I mean, even when I yeah. see that gif online of like. That is, that is a choker. Yeah. That's lovely. Oh, I forgot um, to mention uh, Jessica Hines as well. Oh, gold, yeah. They're just, I, I mean, mm, uh, I mean, it's one of those things of I don't mind it. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. kind of glad they did it, but I'm also like, if they hadn't bothered, I'd be okay about yeah. it sort of thing. It was a nice touch, but it was oh, sort I, of yeah. like... I mean, I, I do like the bit when she's, when she's like, says, and who's this to? And, you know, the doctor says, the doctor. And she's like, pause and she's like, oh, shit. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, this, this is like the person that she's been sort of writing about. And, you know, he sort of looks down with that sort of sad smile and he sort of like asks after her, which is quite interesting because it's one of the rare occasions where um, someone who, you know, never like traveled with him and basically told him to fuck off um, at the end of that story. He still sort of like asks after her, you know, he says, was she happy in the end? And she went, yeah. And then she looks up and says, were you? And he doesn't answer Mm. Um, but, but yeah, I think either either just the bit with Donna or just the bit with Rose. Yeah, I think probably would have been okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you just if you just had the bit with Rose. I mean, it sort of brings you in full, full, full circle, circle in a yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it you know it was. Too, I mean, I appreciate what they were trying to do, mm-hmm. and but it just feels too saccharine, and especially yeah. like you know. No one else really got this kind of hullabaloo of a send off, you know, no. and that's why, in a way, it's fundamentally why the specials year was so strange. Mm-hmm. Um, because aside from one absolutely blinding episode, mm-hmm. you have kind of four 
pretty st- uh, that range between kind of inconsequential mm. to extremely weird. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that it was a fundamentally bad idea to do a specials year. I think, mm. like I said at the top of the show, the, the saturation point Doctor Who had hit. Uh, at that point it's level of fame it it just could not be sustained Mm -hmm. Um, and also you had like the brand new production crew coming in at the end of like 2009-2010 so in a way you kind of you you don't want to be you want to let them like get themselves set up and sorted out yeah but at the same time you you don't want to be like trampling all over them as well by trying to do your own thing and it's like undercutting them so yeah, I mean, you know, it's better than none at all. Um, I mean, we've 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 since had years where it's been worse. Just look at last year when basically all all we had was, you know, the Christmas special, and that was it. We mm. didn't have anything else. Um, so, I appreciate them doing it. Yeah, but at the same time, again, just because, I mean, n- none of them are bad. Yeah, but fundamentally, I think what it is, it's this sort of feeling of they're sniffing their own farts a bit. Yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's so kind of like, aren't we, you know, sort of, I want to say self-indulgent again, but mm-hmm. um, kind of like, you know, we know that we're really special to you, the people out there. So, you yeah. know, here's here's the special things and then here's everything you want to see at the end. Mm-hmm. And I bet, I bet there's loads of people who absolutely love that and wouldn't change it for the world, you know, and, and fair, fair play to you, but especially looking back on it 10 you know, the best part of 10 years later now mm-hmm. it, it feels far too it, it, that i think what one of the words that one of my mates who doesn't particularly like the 10th dot era says is smug mm. and that is kind of how it feels i think still yeah i mean i think that maybe that was part of the reason why they did so you could have the fall of the 10th doctor yeah um i think that's kind of why they perpetuated it but yeah i mean it, it's sort of it is sort of like writ large with again with the um, the farewell to it, mm. um, yeah. And it's it's a shame because you know, I mean, especially in end like when you get to like the the closing of end of time part two and the bit where you know the doctor rages out, it's like really unfair, and he's like does a bit of a hissy fit, and then he just like catches himself. He says, oh, "What am I doing?" You know, mm. and then he sort of like basically gives up his life for one bloke, even though mm. you know. He says, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't bother with me. You know, I'm, you know, I've kind of had my time anyway. What do you want? Mm. And the doctor goes, no, no, you know, it's my honour. And, um, and all that. And, you know, the the fact, you know, the doctor's last lines for a character whose catchphrase is Alan Z, let's go. His last words are, I don't want to go. Yeah. And it, it's sort of like, even though he's trying to put a brave face on it, it's still the sort of the emotion of a person who knows they've completely bolted up. He could yeah. have gone on so much longer, but his own like self-superiority and, again, smugness mm. has come back to bite him in such a hard way. It's effectively cost him his life. And yeah. especially when you look back on it now, when you find out that the Metacrisis thing that he did in Journey's End counts as a regeneration... And obviously yeah. now we have also have the War Doctor in the mix. So basically, he's now going on to his last life, as far as he knows it. Yeah. 
which is it's an interesting thing back on it because obviously we had no idea, not only do we have no idea about this, mm-hmm. but no, neither did the people who were making this, because it was yeah. a completely different introductions who had brought in this idea. So, you know, really, if you want to read, maybe read, maybe far too much into it, it was a reaction by the new production team to the old of kind of bringing, bringing the Doctor down a few pegs again. Mm-hmm. Because if, if nothing else, Stephen Moffat's era has been about exposing the Doctor as a shitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I mean, obviously, we'll we'll talk about that when we eventually get around to to looking back on the Moffat era. But um, yeah, I think that if the great sin of the RTD era, which is kind of boiled down in this, is holding the Doctor up too high as an icon, mm-hmm. um, it and while it, while his fall was necessary, yeah, um, it they sure do sugarcoat it. Yeah, that's very true. That is very true. Um, so is there anything else you wanted to mention about the, the specials year or? Uh, no, I don't recommend swine flu. Definitely no, not. So no, no. That's, that's a bad idea. We don't have recommend your food it. jabs, people. Yes. Um, so apart from that, that was the other, that was the binding lesson I took away from the, the specials yeah. year. Um, yeah, apart from that, it was, you know, I think it, again, a bit like, like I've said in this, uh, I think it was at the time it was met, met with sort of great sackcloth and ashes and howls of, mm-hmm. Oh my God, this, the series of dead. But it was entirely necessary, I think, to give the series the breathing room it needed because yeah. at that point it was too... It was, I mean, the the, the biggest sort of uh, comparison I can draw is... You remember when Star Trek was kind of everywhere? When yeah. um, after Next Gen had just finished, but Deep Space Nine was on the telly, Voyager was on the telly, there were movies mm-hmm. in the theatre, yeah. and uh, they were talking about Enterprise just starting. It, it got to the point where everyone was like, I've had too much God, bloody Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why obviously just you know if you're listening to this in when it was being put out, obviously we've got a new series starting now. Mm-hmm. But it's taken all those years. Yeah, of it needs to they needed to let it lie for a while. It mm-hmm. was like a thing of it was too much of a good thing, and that's it. Like I say, it kind of got so big it was out of control. Mm. So while I think that while you know I would say. A good, you know, maybe only thirty percent of the episode is episodes that we put out, and maybe of you know a, a caliber that you would sort of put it up with the rest of the other series is is, mm. is it is it it was unfortunately necessary and i yeah. think it was if they'd gone straight into another full fat series five i don't know if it would still be on the tv now mm. yeah i think you're right yeah a necessary evil yeah so on that note, let us know your thoughts. You can email us at greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com. You can tweet us at greatestshowpod, or you can visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash podcast. Whilst you're listening to us, feel free to check out our sister shows on the network, Simply Syndicated Movie News, Atomic Trivia War 9000, Masters of None, Do Ask, Do Tell, Bat Channel 66, Here Goes Nothing, Tech It or Leave It, The Seventh Chevron, The Little Pot of Horrors, Ray Guns and Go-Go Boots, Nerd Hurdles, Making Sense with Richard Smith, The Greatest Events in Sporting History, For Those About to Rock, Dangerously Unprepared, Starbase 66, Simply Syndicated Gaming News, and now its own sister spin-off, Random Access Memories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As always, we welcome your support, and the best way you can help us out is by subscribing to Simply Everything. For a monthly fee of just £6, you can enjoy a library of podcasts from the archives of Simply Syndicated, as well as episodes of the exclusive to Simply Everything shows Shaken Not Stirred, and the Patrol spin-offs Oh Boy and Trust No One. Simply Syndicated also runs a merchandise store offering apparel and accessories to both Europe and America. You can also support the network through a monthly pledge on Patreon, or you can donate to the network through paypal.me, of which links to both are on the bottom of the website. So with that being said, thank you very much, Emma. Thank you, Mike. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.